your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. All right, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow the show, L-O underscore Longhorns. Follow my co-host, Cammy at Cammy and G. Cammy. it is Monday, and we are counting down the days until the NFL draft where we find out where the trio of Texas Longhorns will be going, as well as Malcolm Brown, Zach Shackelford are also likely to be finding their new teams with over the weekend. But first, we're going to get into some other Longhorn news and updates before we start talking about the NFL draft. Uh, first question was tweeted out by the Texas Longhorns Twitter account, so I wanted to get into that. If you could meet any Texas Longhorn, who would it be? Ooh, this one's a little hard for me, but in terms of thinking of someone I could realistically meet today, so not too far in the past, um, and I don't really want to say anyone current, so I think I'm leaning Colt McCoy here. He just had such, I guess, an underrated collegiate career in my mind he's one of the most winningest quarterbacks in college football history obviously led his team to national championship before he got hurt so I think he would probably be my go-to to to go meet and I kind of think he'd be one of those um down-to-earth country guys he'd be pretty cool to have a beer with what about you um let me see I'm gonna start it out unrealistically I would have said Tom Landry former Longhorn and Dallas Cowboys great greatest head coach uh, but if we're being realistic, uh, let's see, I've already met Earl Campbell. Nice guy. He was, he was unbelievably nice when I met him. And, um, but if I had to pick one, uh, I'm going to go with a different one that maybe some people weren't, wouldn't think. And, uh, I'm going to go Marquise Goodwin. Ooh, that's interesting. I, I was, it was, it was between him and Jamal Charles. Cause I, I really liked watching both of those guys. Um, you know, they were a lot of fun to watch while they were playing at the University of Texas. And and I, I also had fun watching them at the NFL level. Uh, hopefully Goodwin will stay healthy this next season and we can watch him a little bit more. Yeah, um, Goodwin, Goodwin kind of seems like one of those uh, positive, optimistic guys that have like a good attitude that he would probably fun be around. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it'd be interesting, you know, ask him. I just want to ask him if he thinks he's the fastest guy in the NFL. And, <laughs> and who do you, who does he think could challenge him? Well, I, I don't know if he'd say he's the fastest, but I'm sure he'd be up to uh, running a 40 with someone soon. I'm sure he would. Maybe uh, maybe the guy who just set records, uh, as or not set records, but he's a top five speed guy at the NFL draft, somebody by the name of Devin DuVernay at the Combine? Ooh, yeah, that would be interesting to see who's faster between the two of them. I mean, in the current state. I don't remember what Goodwin ran the 40 at, do you? I don't. I don't have it off the top of my head. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how close they are together in today's um, world, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that that would be fun. But let's get into some current Texas Longhorns talk, shall we? Let's do it. So what updates do you have on who you feel is going to be the next starter after Sam Ellinger and Hudson Card? Yes, I do think he's in line to be groomed as the next starter, but 
there was actually a video tweeted that looked like Hudson Card was working with a QB coach on the Lake Travis field over the past couple of days. Um, he was kind of receiving pressure from different angles, and Card looked very sharp. He looked good with his feet and lower body. And I know it's kind of easy to look that sharp when there's really no one around you, but you could even tell in just a video that his throws, even deep downfield, were on point. He actually looked like he put on some muscle as well. That was one of the first things that I noticed. His size looked good. It was even enough for Sam Ellinger to uh, go and tweet out and share the video with a caption saying that Hudson Card is a stud. So I think that kind of lays a foundation that Ellinger also believes Card is the future at Texas as well. Yeah, and let's hope that Ellinger takes him under his wing this upcoming season and really, you know, makes him, you know, pushes him to be at that next level so that when he is ready to take over, uh, it's a seamless transition between Ellinger and Card, unless one of the other guys gets involved and hopefully jumps up there. We'll find that out, but I think it's ultimately going to be Card, like you said, but I, I wouldn't discount Quindon Jackson, who have has been compared to another Longhorns legend in Vince Young. So be interesting to see, you know, once he's fully recovered from that partial tear of his ACL, um, how well he does. And I'm looking forward to watching that battle between the two of them, both uh, Card and Jackson, who Card was ranked the number two dual threat quarterback in the nation. And Quinton Jackson was number three. So that's going to be a fun battle uh, for future Texas Longhorns. I agree. It's probably one of uh, the top battles along with running back on the offensive side of the ball. But um, I just think it's kind of like a storybook lining, I guess, in terms of you had this hometown kid, Sam Ellinger, grew up, played football at Westlake, stayed home, starting quarterback at Texas. I kind of feel like um, that's what's going to happen to Hudson Card. Obviously, he's homegrown, played football at Lake Travis, which is Westlake's rival. So I just think it's really cool if he ends up being the future at Texas and we kind of went back to back with homegrown uh, football studs in a way. And not only that, but, you know, it's kind of that funny story, I guess you could say, when when you have, you know, rivals in high school, but then they go to college and now they're on the same team, so they're going to help each other. You know, it's kind of the same thing, like kind of when they go to the pros and they play together when they were playing against each other in college or rivals. So, you know, it's always interesting to, to see that dynamic. It's always fun to watch. Uh, but I want to ask you a question that I know is a controversial topic among some Longhorn fans. Uh, recently in the NFL, we've seen the New England Patriots, Cleveland Browns. Um, who else was it? Atlanta Falcons. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have changed their uniforms for the upcoming season or giving them some new looks. So the question I have is, do you think Texas should look into an alternate jersey uh, to wear on the football field? I know a lot of people have strong opinions about that. Yeah, I'm kind of, a, I don't know if I would say a strong opinion, but I'm definitely a no. I think um, they should stick with what they have. I like their simple look. I think when they have one of the best fits in all of college football. I think it's a tradition thing. I don't think it should be um, hindered in any way. And I know Del Conte has even put that on Twitter before as well. So I don't see that happening in the future. But uh, no, I don't think they should... Um, do any changes or add any different type of uniforms or colors or anything like that. I kind of like the old school tradition that they have going right now. Yeah, I know that 
that he said that they shouldn't, you know, change anything. Uh, the one big one that I always hear is uh, some fans want a, a black jersey, um, which obviously they use the black jerseys in, in practice, um, but, you know, especially for the quarterbacks. But I don't think that they should go that route. Uh, I'm not a big fan of teams incorporating colors that are not part of their original colors, such as the black jerseys like Oklahoma State does. I've seen some other schools go with the black jerseys. I just I don't like it. I don't I don't like the the adding of another color like that. Um, you know, I'd be I'd be interested to see if they could come up with some alternative designs for the Texas Longhorns. But at the same time, I am a huge fan of tradition. And despite the fact that they are uh, repped by Nike, and Nike seems to put out a bunch of different jerseys, like especially if you look at Oregon and their vast number of jerseys that they have. I prefer the traditional look, and I think Texas is one of those schools that you just don't uh, you don't change. You leave it like it is. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is one of those cases where sometimes simple is better. Yeah, let's let's leave it with the the white pants, the burn orange jerseys for home games, and then the white jerseys, white pants on away games. Leave it as it is, um, and unless it's a throwback, and they could wear the more traditional style, but I, I like the way that they are now. Uh, but let's get into some uh, recruiting updates. Uh, over the weekend, uh, we posted on Longhorn Twire uh, various offers that were uh, given out by Texas, and Texas has offered a three-star cornerback from Virginia. Um, it really looked like they're really focusing on the defensive side of the ball with their recent offers. The Longhorns offered Damon Harmon. Um, so if you look at his 24-7 uh, rankings, he's the 14th ranked player in the state of Virginia. Uh, he is also 26th at uh, his position. If you look at composite, he's 17th in the state and 38th at the position. Six foot one corner. Uh, they offered him on April 17th. If you look at some of the offers he's gotten so far, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, uh, as far as conference-wise, Oklahoma's in the mix. So uh, also West Virginia is in the mix as well. So he's he's one of three. Um, are you surprised at all that they're really looking at or focusing on the defensive side of the ball while these offers are being sent out currently? Yeah, not at all. And they've kind of been on this trail for the past couple of weeks. I feel like each time we discuss some recruiting updates that it's the majority, if not all, defensive players. I think that's obviously the side of the ball that needs to improve most. Um I'm feeling pretty confident with the offensive side of the ball. There's a few question marks surrounding the wide receiver group. But other than that, uh, the only real question marks that Texas has is their defensive side of the ball. Um, it looks like they're significantly trying to strengthen their defensive line, which I like because they really need to find a way to get after the quarterback, which they've not been able to do recently. And um, it really seems like they're offering quite a few cornerbacks lately as well, specifically cornerbacks even, not even uh, safeties or anything along those lines. But um, they also offered a four-star defensive end from Florida and then a four-star athlete from Louisiana, which could obviously play both ways. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of like um, the route they're going with trying to strengthen that side of the ball. Yeah, they recently, and uh, to touch on your four-star defensive end, they recently offered Keanu Coates uh, from Florida. He's number 10 uh, at the position of weak side defensive end. Obviously, they have a strong side defensive end coming um, that is part of the 
2019 class in Alfred Collins. Um, so we have the 24-7 has Coat listed as the 10th at his position. 24-7 composite has him at 16th. He's 21st in the state and 151st overall. Six foot four, two fifteen. So obviously he's going to need to put on a little bit of weight. Um, he's also gotten offers from Alabama, Florida, Georgia, LSU, uh, and then obviously in the conference they have Oklahoma. Also have given him an offer. So they definitely are trying to focus on that defensive end, uh, specifically on that weak side, because I kind of feel like Alfred Collins is going to take over as the as the uh, strong side defensive end. Um, and then obviously you have Joseph Asai who's going to work some – he's going to get some work at that weak side end or jack position. Um, but as far as the athlete, they have Kendrick Law from Shreveport. Uh, he's a four-star speedster. Um, they don't currently have any rankings on him, but is he's pro- actually projected to be a wide receiver. Six foot, 190 pounds. So um, he's looking at schools such as Auburn, Florida State, Oklahoma State. SMU, Texas, Virginia. So lots of offers going on. So obviously the coronavirus has not slowed down Texas recruiting efforts, which is always a positive. But coming up next, we're going to get into a mock draft roundup and what draft analysts are saying about the trio of Texas Longhorns as they prepare for the NFL draft on Thursday. All right, Cammy, we are only a mere three days away from the NFL draft. Feels like we've been talking about this for months. It's it's almost here. Uh, so one last time, on a mock draft Monday, we are going to go over the latest mock draft from Luke Easterling of DraftWire, who is our colleague. It's part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, where are the latest projections showing the trio of Texas Longhorns? Yeah, DraftWire currently has uh, Brandon Jones at number 80 overall to the Las Vegas Raiders. We've seen Jones linked to the Raiders quite a bit recently in mock drafts, so I'd be interested to see um, if that's truly where he ends up and in what round. Um, Colin Johnson was the next Longhorn off the board at number 142 overall to the Washington Redskins. Uh, Devin DuVernay is again linked to the Baltimore Ravens, but this time at number 157 overall, which I think is a little low for him. And then Malcolm Roach was the final Texas player selected at number 174 overall to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, not surprising on any of those. I I do find it interesting. Um, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network recently tweeted out. um, He had spoke with a GM and they said that the media has been more wrong about mock drafts this year than in recent past. So it makes me wonder if, some of these low projections are kind of going to blindside some people when it comes to the actual draft that's going to take place on Thursday. Could we see Brandon Jones, Devin DuVernay, Colin Johnson, any of those sneak up into those top three rounds? Uh, I know recently we talked about Devin DuVernay uh, in the second round, and that was something that uh, Todd McShay had out, correct? Yes, it was McShay. Uh, well, recently I read uh, Mel Kuyper actually put DuVernay in the second round as well. So it shouldn't come as a shock if if that DuVernay does in fact jump up into that second round. 
Um, we got two of those guys talking about it. Obviously, Brandon Jones could sneak in up there. Uh, Colin Johnson, people like his size. And so I am extremely interested to see how this draft is going to play out and just see how different it plays out than what the mock drafts have been saying for the last several months. Yeah, and I think uh, what kind of everyone is going through right now, the coronavirus and everything being virtual, that might be throwing the media off a bit. Um, it's kind of new for everyone. But the fact that Mel Kuyper and McShay both put DuVernay in the second round um, and the fact that he's been linked to the Baltimore Ravens so often um, leads me to believe the Ravens are really interested in him. Uh, obviously, th- depending on what round they feel safest to grab him. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens do grab DuVernay kind of early in the second round. If he does go in the second round, he will be the first Texas Longhorn uh, taken off the board, in my opinion. But um, I do think Brandon Jones will probably still land in the third round range. And Colin Johnson is kind of iffy to me. He could probably go anywhere between the third and fifth rounds. Um, but I think otherwise, DuVernay is probably the biggest, uh, could probably make the biggest climb, in my opinion, to the second round. He definitely could. So I uh, took a look at what some of the draft analysts are saying about them about the three uh took a look at brandon jones uh lance zerline of nfl.com uh he said that he is third safety potential and offers early help on special teams um you know at texas you know he played the boundary um and he also played nickel nickel safety position um likely to be pegged as a two or two deep or single high free safety due to his limited man coverage uh, but overall, they think that he's going to step in immediately and help out. So uh, that kind of plays in line with what others are saying about him. Uh, if you look at Colin Johnson, a lot of people like what he he brings, obviously size, huge catch radius. And he can make some of those circus catches that kind of make you drop your jaw. Like, I, I don't understand how he caught that. Um, you know, it was interesting that Colin Johnson had said it's, At the end of the day, it's always been my goal not to just make it to the NFL, but to play in the NFL for a long time at a high level. So obviously he's taken a lot of stock in himself and he believes that he can really help out a team. Uh, Zerline said that Johnson may need a more limited route tree that allows him to open up his stride and exploit size mismatches down the field. Uh, The only concern they really have is the fact that he missed a big part of 2019 due to lingering hamstring issues. So, um, and, and, you know, when he played the tougher competition, such as the LSU cornerbacks, he said he looked fairly pedestrian. Maybe that can change a little bit because of due to the offense that he played in. Obviously um, the offense this last season was lacking and, We'll have a new offense coordinator next season, so we'll see if that changes how people view the Texas Longhorns wide receivers. Uh, any surprises there on on kind of what he was saying about uh, Colin Johnson? Not quite. I think he nailed it there, and I, I do think the biggest question mark is this consistency. Obviously, we he was dealing with, I believe, a nagging hip flexor or something along those lines injury at the combine as well. So it's not just that hamstring that's been bothering him. He's kind of been limited with injuries throughout his collegiate career. So I think if he can stay healthy in the NFL, he really can have a um, a long and successful future in the league. 
And Brandon Jones, I do agree, will contribute immediately, probably not in the starting role, but I think um, he has a potential to start at free safety in the NFL, and he should get at least um, special teams playing time early on and uh, kind of provide strong depth, uh, wh- whichever organization selects him. Yeah, uh, and so we'll do the final one here. Uh, Lance Erline talks about Devin Duvernay. He's a slot receiver with tight hips and below average routes, but has outstanding hands and uses power to add yards after the catch. The pieces don't quite fit together, but great hands, yards after the catch, and speed are trades teams might look to mold. He's not a classic developmental prospect, but could become one if a team has a plan for him and can improve his routes. What's interesting is we all we all know that Devin Duvernay only had five drops his entire time at the University of Texas. And in this last season, he had the most yards after the catch of any of the prospects. Uh, Devin had 719 yards after the catch. Justin Jefferson came in right behind him at 714. Brandon Ayuk at 710. And CeeDee Lamb at 683. So, obviously, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's dangerous, and that will help any NFL team. Um, You know, those are just a small snippets of what the draft analysts are saying. If you want to read more on what they were saying, head over to longhornswire.usatoday.com. You can find all three of those articles saying what draft analysts have said about the trio of Texas Longhorns. And now we're going to get into uh, a little shocking list here. So I was (laughs) checking out 24-7 sports as they listed the top 25 quarterbacks that we discussed last week. Well, now they've come out with their top 25 running backs heading into the 2020 season. And can you believe it? They actually had two freshmen on this list, and one of them being Texas Longhorns running back of Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I'm glad you said surprising here because I was going to mention that I think this is a little of a bold take here, not because of Robinson's abilities, but because he'll be a true freshman behind Keontae Ingram and Roshan Johnson this season. If they were to make this projection for the 2021 season, then there's no doubt he will likely be the starting running back at Texas and receive the majority of the playing time. So I think it's a tad early and putting a little too much pressure on him for his true freshman season, but he definitely will be a difference maker for the Longhorns moving forward. The hype train moves on with B. John Robinson. Uh, so the article went on to say one of two true freshmen in the top 25, Robinson, a five-star, could flourish as a first-year player with the Longhorns after rushing for more than 7,000 yards at the prep level. He was the crown jewel in an impressive haul for Tom Herman. Yeah, He was the top-rated prospect overall, uh, number one running back in the country, top 10, Uh, among pretty much every list you could find as far as signings for the 2019-2020 class. Um, And as much as, and you know me, I'm I'm a huge fan of B. John Robinson, but at the same time, I'm kind of looking at it like, okay, we need to to slow down the hype train a little bit. We haven't even seen him get on the field yet. I do expect him to be really, really good. I just don't know if he's going to be top 25 this coming season, obviously because of the guys that are in front of him. And how much is Tom Herman and Mike Yersich actually going to trust a freshman to carry a big chunk of the load for this offense? 
Exactly. Now that I think about it, uh, just a couple of months ago before uh, Jordan Whittington actually switched over to slot receiver when he was uh, primarily expected to be in the backfield, he was actually projected as a top 25 running back. Uh, I believe by ESPN it was for the 2020 season. So I don't know what's kind of going on with their projections in terms of Texas's running backs, but I think Keontae Ingram and Reshawn Johnson are being a bit uh, undervalued at the moment. Yeah, I think and and uh it was top 25 playmakers, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from ESPN. That's exactly and, what it was. And so, I mean, I think there's – and it just seems like this is a year-in, year-out thing. There's always a lot of hype surrounding Texas athletics and the hope that they're going to be back on top where, you know, we all hope they're going to be. But it'll be interesting to watch this as it goes. But hopefully Bijan can live up to the hype um, and provide Texas with their next great running back. But coming up next, we're going to get into some – WNBA draft roundup as well as the Greg Brown decision and what exactly Vic Schaefer has going on with the women's team. All right, Cammy. So over the weekend, there was the WNBA draft and actually two women, Texas Longhorns players were selected in the second round with the 19th overall pick. Joyner Holmes joined the Seattle Storm who have an absolutely loaded team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if she can make a roster there, but nice to see that she's getting her opportunity to take her game to the next level. Um, you know, so she'll be playing with players such as 16-year veteran Sue Bird, uh, Brianna Stewart, Morgan Talk, who played at UConn. So they definitely have a lot of talent there. And then in the third round with pick 12, uh, Alicia Shug Sutton got drafted, and uh, she will be joining former Longhorn standout Ariel Atkins, who's going into her third season. So it was nice to see that a couple of the Texas women's team uh, were able to make it to the next level and play in the WNBA. Season was set to start on May 14th. Remains to be seen if they'll actually start on by that date. I doubt it at this point, but once they do get rolling, it'll be nice to see those two back on the basketball court. In uh, an interesting move, I saw uh, Bleacher Report had said that they're expecting a Greg Brown decision by Friday, whether he is going to play for Auburn, Memphis, Texas, or if he's actually going to be playing in the NBA's G League. If you had to take a guess right now, what's your confidence at uh, for Texas over any of those other teams or even the G League? Uh, Yeah, this is hard for me. And I think it's going to come down to just between Texas and the G League. Um, That's kind of where I think he's probably debating between because if he was going to commit, I think, or play college ball, I think it would be at Texas. But uh, with all the recent developments over the past week and um, obviously, I guess, the pros of joining the G League and also when you take into account Greg Brown constantly reiterating that he's a one and done type of guy. It makes me believe he's probably going to the G league. And if so, that's going to be a huge, huge uh, blow for Shaka smart and the Longhorns obviously in the recruiting trail. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of 50, 50 in between Texas and the G league. I just keep, uh, I guess, replaying in my mind how he's so confidently a one and done type of guy. And if so, why wouldn't he go to the G league in my opinion? But 
I don't know. I guess I'm kind of 50-50 between Texas or the G League. What about you? I will be really honest. I'm 75% G League, 25% Texas. Right? Just, it's just it, the way everything's flowing right now and, and the way things seem to be going, I just feel like um, that he's going to go to the G League. Like you said, it's he's a one-and-done guy. He said that time and time again with all the uncertainty surrounding sports in general. Uh, why not take your payday if you can get it? Um, and then obviously he'll probably make the jump from the G League to the NBA the year after. Um, you know, he doesn't have to go to school. He can just play basketball, make a ton of money as an 18-year-old. Um, and, you know, and like you said, this is just a – this would be a blow to Texas who lost Donovan Williams to Oklahoma State. Uh, he decided to take his talents <laughs> to Stillwater. And, you know, it just seems like this could be another time that Shaka whips on another – uh, recruit, but to no fault of his, it's just, you know, the climate that we're in right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I, I said I was 50, 50, but I am leaning towards the G league just because I, like we mentioned, he'd get that big salary. He would still get free education. He gets to be in a better development environment, I would say. And obviously doesn't have to attend those, uh, classes and strict guidelines and things like that. And, um, I don't know. I think just because he's so confident in being a one and done type of player that he probably should or will go to the G League. Um, but if it weren't for the one and done type of uh, mindset that he had, I would probably lean Texas. Yeah, I kind of feel like you're right about that. Okay, so, but on the women's side, it seems to be a different animal. It seems like the women's team is just constantly improving. Yeah, Vic Schaefer had an eventful first week on the job, actually. Um, he landed another transfer, so former Duke captain Kyra Lambert announced her decision to transfer to Texas uh, via a tweet last Thursday. She's classified as a graduate transfer with one remaining season of eligibility. Um, this is a prominent transfer because she was a three-year captain uh, for the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, even though she battled a few knee injuries, I know she tore ACL and kind of had some complications regarding that, so she actually sat out the 2017 and 2018 and 2018 and 2019 seasons. But when she returned to the court last season, she started 21 of 30 games for Duke. Um, I think she'll be able to contribute immediately for the Longhorns uh, this upcoming season. Uh, Texas currently has a void at starting point guard as well as a lack of veteran leadership. So I think Lambert can provide both. And this was a, a big land for Vic Schaefer. It definitely was a, a big land for Vic Schaefer as they're trying to replace some of the seniors that they lost. And he's also flipping some recruits. Uh, Deonte Gaston is a uh, six foot three forward from Pearland, Texas. And she was originally committed to Mississippi State with Schaefer and the staff leaving for Texas. She is decommitted from Mississippi State and is committed to join the University of Texas which is a huge get for them. She's a four-star prospect in top 100, according to ESPN. Uh, she's going to fit in real nicely with Charlie Collier. She's an athletic glass cleaner who can who play the four spot. So they're definitely very much improving this team. And, and uh, that should, uh, that should give some, that should put some teams like Baylor uh, on notice that Texas is gunning for them. Right. I think uh, Schaefer has already brought in a short time on the job a lot of excitement surrounding that program and potential. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do here. 
Yeah, he's definitely brought a lot of excitement to the university with all their moves that they're making. But uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. So make, you, make sure you tell your smart device to play the latest edition of the Locked on NFL Draft. With that, just a few days away. But for Cami, I am Patrick, and we will see you on Wednesday. Welcome. Okay.